0: Good morning, and thank you for being here with us today for our annual observance of World AIDS Day. I'm Ashley Klimmer, Director of Programs and Community Engagement, and on behalf of the Rothko Chapel community, I welcome you. Due to the ongoing COVID-19 circumstances, we bring you today's program virtually as we gather inside the chapel on this important occasion. We invite you to come experience the recently restored chapel and grounds in person Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The Rothko Chapel is located in the Montrose community, one of the most diverse, welcoming neighborhoods in the city of Houston. In the 1980s, this area was at the center of the AIDS pandemic. Over the last 40 years, we have hosted countless memorial services for individuals, as well as group remembrances and life celebrations for our friends at Omega House the first residential hospice in Texas, providing a safe haven for terminally ill AIDS patients. We have not forgotten this history, and we remember that HIV is still with us today. People's lives continue to be impacted, loved ones lost, and there remains tireless efforts to stop the spread of the virus. And so the Rothko Chapel continues to mark this day, December 1st, on our calendar, and to hold this World AIDS Day observance as a time to remember, mourn, educate, and recommit to the work that we must continue to do together as a community. This morning's program includes live music, personal testimonials, and guided reflection. Here to lead us through this process is Reverend Troy Tresh, Senior Pastor of Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church, joined by Shadon McCants, owner and clinical director of No and Live Counseling and Consulting, Jeffrey Campbell, chief program officer at AIDS Foundation Houston, and Kelsey Sham on HARP. Please join me in welcoming them.
1: On this World AIDS Day, we come to this place of peace, remembering the years in which we have fought against this pandemic, this epidemic, and where we are today. As we start, I would like to invite those into the room who are everywhere this day. If you are close by in Houston, if you are in Texas, if you are on this continent, if you are somewhere around the world, We are thankful that you are present with us today here at Rothko to mark this day, World AIDS Day. In this, we are all together. If you're coming from a hospital where you're tired and you've been working or a hospice where you've been up all night, if you're coming from your home, if you're sitting bedside next to someone you love who is ill today, if you yourself are struggling with medications, you are welcome here this day. If you're wondering what's next and hoping for better, better treatments, better medicine, you are welcome here today. Whatever your spirit is as you come into this place, and whatever your status is as you come into this place, we invite you to be fully present, fully here, knowing that no one is separating you from this great community of people who believe that this epidemic should go away that believe we should know the healing of the world through the healing of AIDS. Welcome. Welcome to this place. Wherever you come from, I want you to know my name is Reverend Troy Tresh, and I serve here in Houston, Texas at Resurrection Church. But when this epidemic began, this was my neighborhood. I could walk to the chapel, and often did. I could sit around the pond out front and look at the broken obelisk, I could enjoy the grounds and I could come inside any time of the day and appreciate how the light changes here. And I could lose myself in one of the many paintings by Mark Rothko hung around the chapel. This is indeed a place of peace. During those times before, before there was funding, before there was a Ryan White Act, before there was any monies coming to support people and find new treatments, Rothko was here. I've been in this space when we held memorials, when families who were grieving came, when a family of choice came because families chose not to, Rothko opened their doors and we were here. They also offered for a space and time to do community services, naming the names of those we had lost throughout the year. I want to lift up the name today of Eleanor Munger, who founded Omega House, And annually, we would hold the memorial service for all those who had died in the hospice that year at Omega House. I want to lift up the name of uh, Randy Hody, who was the first executive director of Bering Community Services Foundation, and the work they did before funding was available. The Montrose Clinic that was headed by Ralph Lasher, and the Montrose Counseling Center that was headed by Ann Robeson. People were scrambling and trying and working hard to make sure that we were present that no one felt alone, no one felt abandoned, that there was community around them, and that people would come and be with them at the most difficult times and also as people celebrated. Before the world caught on, people were already dying. Before we had systems in place to help care for each other, we had already lost individuals that many of us cared about. So into this space with my story and your story, you are invited to come and be a part of today, World AIDS Day. It's changed so much. We're so excited about the many wonderful treatments that there are now available. We're so excited that you know, AZT is not the only thing available. We're so excited that people aren't being poisoned by their drugs in the way they were early on. We pray for those who didn't make it till protease inhibitors were available. For those families who in that moment in time said oh if my son had only made it one more week one more month this new treatment could help them we give thanks to all the doctors during that time period who were learning every day what was possible we give thanks for all the doctors today all the researchers today who are trying to continue to carry it forward to a new place to a place where we can eradicate this epidemic to a place where they're searching for a vaccine to a place where it can be prevented. So into this space, I ask you to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath today. In your home, wherever you are, your office, inside or outside, feel your feet touching the earth. Let the Spirit of love and light and hope and joy surround you. May peace find its way within your heart, within your breath. May you know healing, healing from grief, healing from illness, healing from isolation, healing from stigma. On this day, May we transform our pain, transform our isolation into the beauty of what we've done together through caring and through love. Welcome.
2: Hello, everybody. I am so happy to be here with you all today. I am Shada McCant, a beautiful, bold black woman living and thriving with an HIV diagnosis. Yes, I said it, it's me. December 19th of this year will make that I've been living with a diagnosis of HIV since the age of 17. I was a 17-year-old senior in high school in Cincinnati, Ohio at the time in which I found out. It was 1995. At that time, it was 14 years into the epidemic of HIV-AIDS. And for me and so many others at that time, it was what we thought would have been a death sentence. It was early on into what we did not know, how um, individual, individuals are going to live, individuals are going to survive, but you, as I said, I'm standing here, 26 years later, living and thriving with an HIV diagnosis. Like so many others in this world, HIV is now what we know to be a chronic, manageable illness. However, it is still an epidemic. It hasn't gone anywhere for myself or so many others, specifically for those individuals living in the black community and more specifically down here in the South. HIV hasn't gone anywhere. And so today I stand before you to talk about some of the challenges that we are still having when it comes to HIV in our communities. You know, we know that there is the issues of disparities when we talk about the social determinants of of health, when we talk about um, access to healthcare, transportation, um, appropriate medical care, those things are still barriers when we talk about ending the epidemic with HIV. I can tell you guys, as we talk about my own story, I was, as I stated, a 17-year-old senior in high school, and I wasn't doing anything different, I'm pretty sure, than my 17-year-old peers were doing at that time, but unfortunately, I ended up with a diagnosis due to the lack of support and the care that I needed at that time. And so as we talk about right now, where are we with the epidemic? You know, we do know that one in every 48 black women will receive an HIV diagnosis in her lifetime. What we know is that, you know, one in every two same gender loving sex individuals will receive a diagnosis of HIV in their lifetime. So is there still some work to do? There is. What we know is that there is 1.2 million individuals living with a diagnosis of HIV in the US, but of those, almost 48% of those are in the South. So guess what, there's still a lot of work to do. How do we do that work? Well, one of the organizations I can say that I am working with and I am so happy to be a part of is Positive Women's Network. That network is a, a conglomerate, I say, of so many women, women that also include women of the trans experience, and we are there and we're not going anywhere. We are fighting the fight when it comes to decriminalization of HIV. Yes, in some states, a lot of states, HIV is still criminalized, meaning that your body is used as a weapon, and so A part of PWN is to make sure that we talk about reproductive justice, the rights of women, that my body is mine and I can do with it as I choose, and nobody can take those rights from me. Another thing with Positive Women's Network is changing the narrative around women living and thriving with an HIV diagnosis to make sure that we understand and know that we do matter, our bodies matter, our lives matter, and that we're not going anywhere. I tell people that in order to end the epidemic, it's going to take women. We are the backbone of this country i tell people and so you can't leave us out of the message you can't leave us out of the conversation and so that's just some of the work that positive women's network is doing and one of the other things is is i I can't forget is the work that we're doing around voter registration and just voting rights period for women and just for our country to make sure that our voices are heard in everything that is done it is the same nothing about us without us and so that's something that i love about positive women's network I'm also the co-chair of Texas Black Women's Health Initiative, and that is an organization here in Texas where, again, we are doing what we need to do to combat the issues when it comes to Black women and HIV. As I stated earlier, we do know that the epidemic is ravishing the African American community at alarming numbers, at alarming rates, and it's time we do something about the disproportionate impact when it comes to the Black community, specifically Black women. And so through the Texas Black Women's Health Initiative, we are continuing to be a staple in our community when, it ta- when we come and talk about advocating and educating what it is that we need to do in our communities to make sure that black women specifically know what HIV is and what HIV isn't, how to stay negative, and for those women that are living positive, how to show up for themselves, mind, body, and soul. And so those are just some of the things when we talk about HIV. And the black woman, HIV and women. And I am, again, a beautiful, bold black woman living and thriving with the diagnosis of HIV. And so as we talk about, and before I end, you know I ask you guys, what is it that you can do to continue to be an ally to support us? Well, one of the first things is is to be okay with having a conversation about HIV. Yes, having a conversation about it, normalizing the conversation and helping us to change the language around how you talk about HIV, how you talk about AIDS, understanding that it is no longer a death sentence, but that it is a chronic, manageable illness that so many individuals are living with and thriving with. Changing the language when I say that, instead of saying that person has AIDS, no, that individual is living with a diagnosis of HIV. As you hear me and continuously will say, I am living and thriving with a diagnosis of HIV. I'm not HIV, I am not my diagnosis. I am a beautiful, bold black woman living and thriving with a diagnosis. And so as you continue to want to champion and come in and support us, it is helping to change the language, helping to normalize the individuals that are living and thriving, understanding that the first letter in HIV is human, and that's what we are. Thank you.
3: When we launched the commemoration of World AIDS Day December 1st, 1988, it was done so in order to bring recognition to this new disease that was so quickly making people become very ill, and then we began to lose them to death from HIV-related complications. Um, The hope in 1988, I believe, was that people would just live a little longer. The hope at 1988 was, I believe, that people wouldn't get as sick. And however, although we have seen some really dark places in the world, the work, and the illness that we know as HIV, I believe that in 2021, we have a new hope. Early last year, the Centers for Disease Control released Ending the HIV Epidemic, a plan for America. In that plan are four pillars. And in those four pillars are the intent for us to lower the rate of new HIV transmissions by 75% in five years, and then by an additional 90% in 10 years, those pillars are diagnose, which means testing. We want to test as many people as possible uh, who could potentially be individuals living with HIV. Treat, we want to treat individuals who are living with HIV. We want to treat those who are newly diagnosed. We want to get them into treatment within their first seven days of diagnosis. We want them to take that first pill, that first antiretroviral treatment pill within seven days of diagnosis. We understand and we know that science has shown us that for a person who goes on antiretroviral treatment, that they can be what we now call virally suppressed within the first 60 days of being on treatment. Viral suppression is an important term in the world and the work of HIV. Viral suppression as we know it now, means that individuals who are living with HIV and have a suppressed viral load are unlikely, if not, and I dare say it is really impossible, proven by science, for a person who is virally suppressed for a minimum of six months to transmit HIV to a sex partner. That's very important as we talk about ending the HIV epidemic. The third pillar is prevent. It really is about utilizing biomedical advances to prevent HIV. It's, right now, a a once-a-day pill that comes in two different forms that allows individuals who take it who are not living with HIV, it prevents them up to 99% from contracting HIV through sex. That's significant. That's a great way from where we were on World AIDS Day, December 1, 1988. Preventing, that is the work of the medical community as well as the work of the individual who is not living with HIV, who wants to take what we call PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, on a daily basis. It is significant. And the fourth pillar of the end plan is response. That is a joint effort between our city's health department and folks in our community who do HIV prevention work. The city uses surveillance and epidemiological data to help us understand when there is a rise in new HIV transmissions in a new community, in a new zip code, really down to a new corner or a new corner store. And we're able to pinpoint that information through the surveillance data. And the city does a rollout utilizing not only their workers, but the workers of community business organizations who are focused on HIV prevention. We go in, we go into those zip codes, we go into those blocks, those city streets, we go onto those corners and we provide testing, we provide education, and when necessary, we get individuals who are newly diagnosed with HIV or individuals who have been previously diagnosed but are not in care, we get them linked back to care. The goal is viral suppression. In Houston, this is where we stand. We still sit at number 10 regarding the cities who are, um, how shall I say it, with the most new transmissions in a year. The last couple of years, uh, Houston has hovered around 1,200 new HIV transmissions Per year. That is a significant number when we look at the numbers and the science that we have today. Another thing that is key, as I said earlier, is viral suppression. Unfortunately, we are still struggling in Houston Harris County with the numbers of individuals living with HIV in our area who are not virally suppressed. And so I take you to this place with that. Who are these people? Who are our communities? Who are the individuals that still struggle with this vulnerability to acquiring HIV? Communities that still see a high community viral load. In 2010, at the International AIDS Conference in Vienna, Austria, the CDC released a study. That study showed several correlations. One correlation stated that poor people were more likely to contract HIV in their lifetime. The second correlation was that black people, whether they were black Americans or black any place in the world, would be more likely to be poor. And so that created the third correlation, that black people, because they are more likely to be poor and poor people who are more likely to uh, contract HIV, black people would also be more likely than any other counterpart to contract HIV. So the work that we have left to do, if we are going to end the the HIV epidemic, and as a chief program officer at AIDS Foundation Houston, our mission now is directly connected to the end HIV epidemic. That mission is to end the HIV epidemic in the greater Houston area. We understand that that's more than about condoms, it's more than about PrEP, It's more than about PEP. It really is more than about treatment. It's the social determinants of health. It is addressing housing. It is addressing medical deserts. It's addressing education. It's addressing stigma that's still connected to HIV, to sexuality, sexual orientation, and gender expression. This is the work that we have to do in 2021 in order for us to get closer to ending the epidemic in Houston, Texas. And so I'm gonna sign out with you today the way I sign out on every one of my emails. We have a wonderful opportunity to end this epidemic. We have a wonderful opportunity to make history. So I'm asking you to pay attention to the ending the HIV epidemic, a plan for America, those four pillars, and join me and let's make history. Thank you.
1: We're thankful you were here for this service today. We hope you've been able to take a breath. We hope you've been able to rest. We hope you've been able to receive the music and have it surround you. We hope you've been able to hear the stories, the stories of how people's lives have been affected and how they are progressing today and how many are thriving. We've hoped you were able to hear the information and that it can give you some new hope as well. This World AIDS Day, the theme has been around ending AIDS, ending pandemics, and ending inequity. Ending AIDS is within our grasp with science and changing some of our behavior. Ending pandemics is in our grasp with science and changing some of our behavior. Inequity is in our grasp. But it takes transformation of our hearts and our ways of being in order to make sure that everyone around the world who needs treatment is able to access it. Everyone around the world is able to be cared for with dignity. Everyone around the world receives the sustenance they need. Inequity in all things ends up killing more people. So today on this World AIDS Day with the themes of end AIDS, end pandemics, and end inequity, we've got our work cut out for us. We've got the challenge set before us. We see it repeat over and over again. Some receive the treatments needed and some do not. These pandemics go beyond borders, beyond faiths, beyond cultures. These are human conditions. And together, all of humanity needs to answer.
0: Thank you, Reverend Tresh, Shadon, Jeffrey, and Kelsey for leading us through this morning's observance. We are touched by your words, your presence, and the music. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the community to stop the transmission of HIV and to support those who are living with HIV. For those of you joining us remotely, thank you for starting your day with us. This program is being recorded and will be available on our website, rothcochapel.org for you to share with your friends and family. Please stay tuned for our closing credits and announcements, including our upcoming MLK birthday celebration on January 15th, 2022, which will kick off our Songs of Justice series. Thank you.